0: as we come.
1: Welcome to Glory to Glory, the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now as Pastor Joe teaches from the book of Proverbs, chapter 22.
2: As we pick up through the word of God, chapter 22, Proverbs. Verse 1. And it says, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, loving favor rather than silver and gold. I don't know if your Bible... Has good in italics. Uh, Look at mine here, does the word good is in italics. Typically, if you see a word in italics in your Bible, it means that that was added by the translator. They put that in there just to help to bring some more understanding to it. But so that's been, you know, it's in italics uh, in most of your Bibles there. So it's been added there. Either way, it doesn't make that big of a difference, other than, you know, a name here is not talking about. A name that your parents gave you, like Joe or Bill or Bob or, or Betty or, you know, and it's not that kind of a name. I don't believe it's talking about. It's rather speaking about a name that you've earned because of the kind of person that you are. You know, the, what people call you, a good name or just a name. What do people call you? Like certain people, we think of them and we say, wow, he's a worker. Boy, that, he's a servant. Or boy, she's a, you know, she's diligent. Or Kathleen, she's beautiful. That's what I think. You know, that's what. I think. <laughs> but that name that people call you, that name that you know that people when they think of you, they, they think of that that type of a uh, you know name that they give you. And it's better than than riches. It's better than great riches is to have that name. So choose that. You know, choose instead of you know choose to have that kind of character that people recognize. You know that they could say, "Boy, he's a servant." Especially. For being Christians, that's one of the, the best names we can have is, is a servant of the Lord. When, when they think of us and say, wow, that's a servant of the Lord. That person is a true servant. And uh, hopefully that could be said of all of us. So a good name or just a name is to be chosen. And even uh, lo- uh, the latter part, loving favor rather than silver and gold. The, the favor that you have because of who you are. The favor that uh, God gives you or the favor that you have because you're always, you know, going out of your way for others. And that should be, you should choose that rather than uh, riches, silver and gold. Verse two, the riches, or excuse me, the rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. I believe this is talking about that God has no respecter of persons, rich or poor. We're all created by God, I think we can fail in that area where we're, we have respect for persons. You know, we might look up to somebody if they're, they're wealthy or we try to go out of our way to please them or we want to, you know, be friends with them because, you know, maybe it'll benefit us. Maybe we'll, we'll gain some of that, you know, favor from them and maybe they'll buy us good things. And so, but I think what it's saying here is, you know, rich or poor, they have this in common. The Lord has no partiality. He's the maker of both of them. And we should be the same. We should have no partiality. A good cross-reference for that for you would be Romans 2.11. It says, For there is no partiality with God. So God, there's no partiality. God does not look upon, you know, when you stand before the Lord and you go to heaven, he's not going to, you know, look at you there, wow, man, you really made it big down there on earth. You know, it's like, he's not going to have this, you know, partiality towards you because of, you know, that you gained riches in that type of a way. So, um, They're both created by God and they're both equal before God and we're not to show partiality. God doesn't show partiality. Before we go to the next verse, James chapter 2 talks about that, that we're not to show partiality and it warns us uh, in chapter 2. So a little extra reading if you want. If you can't sleep tonight, read James chapter 2 for (laughs) extra homework there to read about that we're to have no partiality. Verse 3. A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself, but the simple passes on and are punished. A prudent man foresees evil and he hides himself. A prudent, the word prudent means a shrewd or a sensible man, and it's a good thing. He he sees evil coming ahead and he stays away from it. And, and it's a good thing for all of us to do, to, you know, to be discerning, to be prudent, to to you know be able to see, you know, think of It's good for all of us as Christians to think of, you know, the traps that we've fallen in in the past. The traps that have, you know, laid hold of us or put a snare in our life, and we're to be prudent. We're to think ahead and think, okay, wait a second. I'm going to avoid that like the plague. I'm going to stay away from that as much as I can. I'm going to stay far away from that. So that's a good thing. You know, you should be prudent. You should foresee evil, and you should hide from it. You should run from it. But the simple passes on... Meaning he keeps on going, he ignores ignores the warnings, and then he's punished, or he creates problems for himself. So just a warning, don't, you know, learn from your past mistakes. You know, you don't want to be that kind of a person that keeps falling in the same trap, falling in the same trap, falling in the, it's just like, God wants to deliver you from that. God wants to take you out of that, that way. So be prudent, think ahead, and and then put up, you know, there's, there's people that I've prayed for in the past that say, you know we did it again or I did it again or this happened again or this happened again. Sometimes you just keep praying. It's like over and over and over and over. We keep praying for this. And it's like, well, wait a second. There's patterns that you're looking. You should look for these patterns. This is how you fell. So, you you know, don't go down that path anymore. Just stay clear away from that path. And it sounds so simple and it is so simple. But those that don't take heed to those warnings, they're going to have punishment on themselves. And really... It's pretty much saying it's your own fault. Don't be simple. You know, be prudent. Look ahead. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Humility, reverencing the Lord, there's blessings attached to that. God hates pride. God hates the the prideful person. Uh, when When we walk around and we're haughty or we think that, you know we're better than other people that's that's not humility that's pride and and you know there's no blessing attached to that but when you're humble you humble yourself before the lord you fear the lord you reverence him god blesses you you know he's there's riches and i for sure you know spiritual riches there's honor there's life verse 5 thorns and snares are in the way of the perverse He who guards his soul will be far from them. So those that are perverse, they're always caught in snares. They're always caught in thorns. You you know, you picture thorns and snares. A snare is a trap, you know. So you picture thorns, they're they're always getting caught. They're getting hurt. They're, they're, they're getting trapped. They're always, you know, they're in bondage. They're, they're stuck. And they're, you know, you see people like that. They're, you know, constantly. There's even sometimes you can, in their, in their face. I've, I've seen people before, just in their face, their countenance, there's a bondage. They're just like, there's a, they're, they're bound. And it's, it's a shame to see that bondage that's on their lives. And, you know, it's because they're not taking heed to the Lord. They're not turning away. So they're in these traps. But, I like this, he who guards his soul will be far from them. So you want to be delivered from traps, snares? You want to be delivered from thorns and getting hurt? Then guard your soul. You know, put up barriers. Train up a child in the way he should go. Don't you love this verse? And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child. It's a wonderful verse, training up our children, training up the children that you have. It's an exhortation for parents to, you know, take a responsibility. It's a great responsibility to be a parent, and I just, I'd like to point out there's a difference between a teacher and a trainer. A teacher will tell you what to do, but a trainer shows you how to do it. A teacher will tell you what to do. He'll, they'll tell you, you know, this is what you do. Do this, do this, You don't do this, and they'll teach you what to do. But a trainer, you know, you think of, you know, someone's training you, typically, like when I was, you know, different trainer, let's say weight training. Typically, they're showing you what to do. They say, okay, now you pick this up, and you go like this, and no, stand this way. No, 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 and they show you exactly, they're training you. And, it, and it's a picture of not just telling your children what to do, but being an example and showing them what to do. I remember at one point in... You know, while I was growing up, you know, we were told that we, we were supposed to go to church on Sunday. We were Catholic. We were raised in the Catholic church, and we were told, you know, Sundays you go to church. But I noticed my dad never went to church. But that was the rule of the house. Everybody goes to church on Sunday. But I was like, where's dad? But he didn't go to church. He didn't, you know, it was like he was exempt from the rule of the house. You know, he didn't have to go to church. And it was always, you know, growing up, that was strange. You know, I was like, okay, you know. And it, that was more of a teaching. He was teaching me to go this way, but he wasn't training me. He wasn't showing me, this is why we do it, and this is how come. And it, So, you know, there's a difference. It was funny. My grandfather, when I lived with my grandparents for a while, he, we used to get in the car, you know, get up on Sunday morning, we'd get in the car, and we'd, you know, drive in the church parking lot. And then we'd drive out of the church parking lot. And he says, now, when you get home, tell, tell your grandmother, we went... <laughs> This is, this is true. To tell your grandmother we, you went to the church. He says, "Don't lie to her. I don't want you to lie." he says, "But we went to the church. So make sure you tell her when we get home we went to the church." And I'd go home every Sunday. I would go, "Grandma, we went to the church." She goes, "You did?" I say, "Yep, we went to the church, Grandma. We didn't go inside. Never. I never went with my grandfather. We never went inside. We just went in the parking lot." And It was funny as time went on. We wouldn't even go into the parking lot. Sometimes we just drive slowly by the Catholic church. We'd and say, we're, in, "We're into the church, right? It's right here, right?" I say, "Yeah, Grandpa." I loved it. I thought this is great. But that's not training a person up. That's not training up your child in the way. And a good thing just to add to both. You know, my my grandfather received the Lord before he went to heaven. He's in heaven. My dad received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. He's in heaven. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to see him someday. So that's the blessing. But they didn't take me to the church. They're inside of the church. <laughs> they didn't train me up. It's a general statement, it's a, a great verse. The importance of training up your child in the way you should go. Again, um, as an example, in the hopes of, the promise of, you know, that when he's old or she's old, they're not going to depart. I have, you know, f- other family members that raised up their children in the ways, trained them up in the ways of the Lord. And and, I, and just watching them, you know, walking with the Lord is a wonderful thing. And I know, you know, you might have children that are wayward, that aren't walking with the Lord, but it's a wonderful verse to hold on to and say, okay, I did my best, Lord, to train them up. I did my best to to train them in your way, Lord. And you have to hold on to that verse and say, Lord, when they grow old, Lord, maybe they're not with you right now, but may they not depart. May they come back. May they remember. And I, I believe that it's a, it's a wonderful a verse that you can truly hold on to and say, okay, Lord, I, I did my best to train up my child. Again, I wasn't raised in the ways of the Lord, but I'll tell you what, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that the Lord drew me to himself. And what an opportunity, parents. I just want to exhort you as, as best as I can, you know, just continue to raise up your children, train them up, show them that way. And it's never too late. Even if they're grown up, just stay walking with the Lord, being that example so they can see a difference in your life. There's, you know, they need to see that. So again, training is different than teaching. It's so easy. You could tell your child what to do, but are you that example? Are you living that life that you're supposed to live And don't worry, the Lord wants to to save those children even more than you do. God loves your children more than you could ever love your children, and he'll do whatever it takes because he laid his life down for those children. Wonderful verse. The rich rule over the poor, borrower is servant to the lender. The rich rules over the poor. Typically, that's what what happens. We see, you know, those that are rich, they rule over the poor. And those that borrow are typically servants to the lender. I've seen, you know, growing up in my past where someone, you know, borrowed money from another relative and then they lost their job. They weren't able to pay, you know, pay off their debt. So they would work off their debt. And I kind of think of this verse: a borrower is a servant to the lender. You know, they, sometimes that happens where you'll you'll have to serve that person. But um, I think I believe it could be a warning also to not to be a slave, you know, to the bank. Not to be a slave where you're just so buried in debt. You know, you can be a servant to your lender. And no one wants, I know we see it with the economy the way it is, you see so many people just going under and, and, and struggling and fighting. And it's just, it's a sad thing, you know, where they're, they're servants. They're, they're, they can't sleep at night because they owe the bank so much money. And, and I've seen it time and time and time again. And it's a, it's a very sad thing. So just a little warning there, not to overextend yourself. He who sows iniquity will reap sorrow and the rod of his anger will fail. Another translation: If you plant the seed of injustice, disaster will spring up. and your oppression of others, the oppression of others will end. Sowing iniquity, you're going to reap sorrow. You're going to trouble. That word also could be trouble. If you're sowing into sin, you're you're you know planting. You're you're bringing in things that are bad. You're going to have troubles in your life, and we all know that. So just a, a little exhortation to let's sow to the spirit, like we're doing here tonight. We're sowing to the spirit. And, you know, we're going to reap everlasting life, the word tells us. And this is so good. You, you know, planting the seed of God, the word of God in our hearts. And in our, you know, you put all that good stuff in. And I, I look at it as we put the good in and garbage is out comes out. We put the good in and garbage is out. But if you're going to sow and put garbage in, garbage is going to, you know, you're going to have garbage in your life. That's just the way it is. Paul the Apostle said, and most of you know the scripture, Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows or plants into his life, that will he also reap. For he who sows to the flesh, to fleshly things, will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit, will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So a wonderful exhortation for us, to not to sow to iniquity. Interesting, too, where it says, "...and the rod of his anger will fail." In other words, he's going he's to sow, there's going to be troubles, he's going to you know, try to rule with a rod of anger, and he's going to fail. He's not going to be able to rule. He's not going to be able to get away with it. God's going to deal with it. You might have a boss like that, though <laughs> so God's going to deal with it. He who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. A Generous eye. A generous eye speaks of a good eye, one that is able to see a need and help those in need. They're generous. And very clearly, this verse says, the Lord's going to bless them. And you see people like that. You, you know, people have that eye for, you know, those that are in need. And, they're, and their eyes are always open. How can I help? What can I do to help? And, you know, and they're so generous. And they, you know, they're always giving. And I, we've talked about this before in the Proverbs, but it's so true. Do you notice those people that are just, you know, givers and givers and givers? Do you ever notice that they always have plenty? I noticed that. They always have plenty. They're, they're pouring out. They're like a spring of water. You know, they're pouring out. And, and I believe that those that are discerning and they're praying about you know, how to give, what to give, and, and God opens up their eyes, and, and God knows they can, and God can entrust that with this person, and they're pouring out. They're blessing people. They're taking care of things. And the Lord just keeps blessing them. But then you see others that, that you know, they're, they're, they don't want to give. Or they're like, well, I can't afford to give. Or I can't afford to do this. And, and then you see they're always struggling. And they're always, you know, they're having a hard time making ends meet. And it's almost like, you know, even with, you know, and I, if you've been here, I've with, we've had a church going for like nine years. I don't even talk unless we go into scriptures about tithing because, you know, where God guides, he provides. But for your benefit, I just want to say, some people are so, you know, they're so like, I can't, I can't afford to tithe. And I'm like, I would say to you, you can't afford not to. It's just the way, you know, that's, this is what I believe the scripture teaches. And, and I just see it. You can never outgive God. And it's not a pledge that we need money here. I'm, don't, I'm not going that route. I'm just for your benefit because I see it constantly. Those that give, God continues to pour out to them. I think it was uh, Mr. Wrigley. You might want to check. That. I'm pretty sure Mr. Wrigley, he's the one that he used to give 90% of his income to the church, 90%. He reversed tithe instead of 10%. He gave 90% to the church. And the Lord just kept blessing him and blessing him. He could not outgive God. And his business was a huge success. So a great verse here for a generous eye. In other words, someone again that has a good eye that's, that's able to see needs and to take care of the needs. And I thank my heavenly father for how he always provides for us. You know, he, he's always so good to us. You know, the blessing that's attached will be blessed. But he gives of his bread. First time I read this, check this out in verse nine. I thought it says, for he gives his bread to the poor. And I, I didn't see the of in there. And it's kind of, it makes a little difference. So I, you know, at first I thought he gives his bread. In other words, he takes all of his stuff and he just gives it over. He doesn't even keep any for himself, but he gives of his bread. He doesn't give it. Any. So I thought that was interesting. He gives of his bread and the Lord blesses him. He has a good eye. Verse 10, cast out the scoffer and contention will leave. Yes, strife and reproach will cease. That's a great verse. The scoffer is one that mocks, mocks the things of God, uh, a person that's arrogant, a person that's boastful. And there's times when that person needs to be cast, you know, cast out. They're creating problems. They're creating strife. They're creating you know, reproach and contention. And it's, it's a terrible thing, you know, when that's around you, but check it out. When you cast them out, the person or her or whoever it is, the Lord says, contention's gonna stop. Do you ever notice that in a workplace, someone that's always stirring up trouble? And it's just like, trouble here and trouble there, trouble, and then finally they're gone. They're, they're out of the company or something. It's like, wow, what happened? Trouble's gone. And it's like, they were stirring up trouble all the time and they were creating you know problems all over. It's like, wow. And then there's like relief. Well, that's because this verse says if you cast them out contention strife reproach will stop He who loves purity of heart and has grace in his lips on his lips the king will be his friend I like that verse don't you <laughs> Loves purity of heart and has grace on his lips what a combination being pure of heart we we as Christians we're pure of heart because of what Jesus Christ has done. is that a wonderful? I mean, think of that. When we go to the cross, when we confess our sins, when we repent of our sin, God says, I'll purify your heart. I'll cleanse you deep within. Not, not just outside. He, he cleanses our hearts. He cleanses us inside. He washes. He scrubs us deep inside. And it, if you could grasp that, if you can understand that, it's, there's such a freedom in that. And guess, you know, guess what? He does it by His grace. Not because of what you've done or how good you've been. or No, no, just the opposite. How bad you are, how terrible you are. But you go to the cross, you repent, you turn from it and say, Lord, cleanse my heart, purify me inside. Take away those bad desires. Take away. And then He purifies us and that should bring us to a place where we, we're full of grace. That we speak gracefully to people. Say, God, I've got a good God. I've been forgiven. I've messed up so bad, but I'm forgiven of everything I've ever done. And we should have grace on our lips. And it's such a wonderful combination. People want to be around us. But there's other people that, you know, they, they're cleansed, they're forgiven, and they realize they went to the cross. And then you know, they start walking the right way and they start doing things the, the, you know, in the right way. And then everybody else, if they're not doing it the right way, they're like pointing the finger. Why aren't you doing that? How come you're not walking that way? What are you doing wrong? How come you, i seen you over there. Did I see you over at that place? Did I do that? And they're constantly just, you know, very legalistic like that. And guess what? Nobody wants to be around them. But when we can grasp that we've been forgiven by God, for by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourself, it's a gift from God, not of works, lest anyone shall boast. When we realize the cross and what the cross does for us, we should have such grace, such favor on our lips to say, wow, I'm forgiven, You can be forgiven. We can be forgiven. And we can have such grace on our lips. And even the king will want want to be in our presence and say, I really like this guy. We'll have favor. And the king will hear about it. And guess what? Our king of kings, our Lord of lords, will be in his presence. The eyes of the Lord preserves knowledge, but he overthrows the words of the faithless. It gives you the picture of you know, the Lord, he's, he's like keeping knowledge. He has such knowledge for us and he's holding it like this and he wants to give us knowledge. He wants to give us, you know, the understanding and he's holding, but he's, he's preserving it. He's keeping it for those that'll use it for his glory. I can just get that picture just ready to give us the knowledge that we need of like, okay, Lord, I, I want to be used by you. I want to be a vessel of honor. So he preserves it, but he overthrows the words of the faithless, those that will not, have faith in him. He overthrows their words. Don't you love when he does that?
0: throne of mercy. It's the sound of our singing It's the sound of our singing
1: You have been listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettig, an outreach at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our service times are Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Now, may we continue to go to his throne of mercy as he changes us from glory to glory. As we come
0: to your throne of mercy, it's the sound of our singing praise. It's the sound of our.